Bob for apples. This is the way to do it. Yeah, Lucy, you should be good at this. You have the perfect mouth for it. Blech! My lips touch dog lips! Bach! Ach! Poison dog lips! Bach! Ach! Welcome to the Happy Halloween Podcast. My name is Tony, and I will be your host. And this is your home for all things Halloween. Well, ghouls and goblins, it's the 13th of August, which means summer is winding down and fall is right around the corner. And more and more stores are lining their shelves with Halloween decor. It also means that it's been a year since I started the podcast. It's hard to believe it's been that long, but it's been a very fun and rewarding experience, and I am so excited for what the future holds. Well, our jack-o'-lantern is stuffed full today, so let's get started. First up, I have a new review to read from D. Stafford. I love the variety of spooky topics on this well-curated show. My favorite part is getting new songs from my Halloween playlist, Ghost Emoji. Well, thank you very much, D. Stafford. I'm glad you're enjoying. Your Halloween snap bracelet is on its way. If you leave a review, I will send you a Halloween snap bracelet as well. And if you leave a review on any other service than Apple Podcasts, would you kindly take a screenshot and send it to me? They don't make them easy to find for us. Next up, I have two Halloween memories to share with you. First up, Let's hear this hilarious memory from none other than our playlist master, Bob Baker. Tony, this is so exciting. Just for you, I've decided to share an embarrassing Halloween memory that I don't usually tell anyone. I mean, I have other great stories, like the time I accidentally drank the steaming potpourri at a neighbor's Halloween party or when I swallowed my press-on vampire teeth, or the trick-or-treat wagon I drive every year. However, this event occurred when I was in fourth grade, a time when I was still young enough to be excited to dress up for Halloween, but old enough to have a prepubescent crush. The object of my desire? My teacher, Miss Young. She came as advertised, At a time when society was changing, teachers were no longer in house dresses. They were stylish and wore hip, short skirts and boots. I was in love, so when Halloween came, I wanted to have the best costume. I got it in my head that I should be a Jack playing card. I don't know if I thought I would be striking or handsome, but I worked hard on it. I used two poster boards and copied the design off a card. I got a crown. It did my hair in a Prince Valiant style. I added hearts to my cheeks as I was the Jack of Hearts. And 
I asked my mom for a pair of red tights. Everything was perfect as I headed off to school. We would have a costume parade at recess, but we needed to do schoolwork before then. I got a few comments about my costume, even from Miss Young. She said that I looked precious, and I was thrilled. In order to sit at my desk, I had to remove the cards. I sat and waited for our lessons. After a few minutes, I noticed Miss Young looking at me and asking me to put my cards back on and come up to her desk. She quietly explained to me that tights are meant to be worn with something underneath them, which I wasn't aware. I had just put them on commando, but in fact, they were basically see-through. I realized that Miss Young had seen my actual twig and berries, and I was mortified. My mom came and picked me up, and I went home, and I couldn't go back that day. I skipped the parade, but I did go trick-or-treating, but with shorts on under the cards. I had a hard time looking at Miss Young in the face for the rest of the year. Happy first year anniversary, and happy Halloween. <laughs> I tell you, I laughed way too hard at that, Bob. And thanks for the anniversary wishes. Bob will be back for his regular segment in a bit. Next up, we have a memory from Jennifer. Most parents talk about the terrible twos. When their toddler starts to develop a desire for independence and act out with mood swings, yelling, and temper tantrums. My daughter's worst years were between the ages of three and four, and this was the year from our story. We had settled on a costume of a pirate, but on the morning of Halloween, she changed her mind and threw a fit, saying she wanted to be something else. Well, we told her no. She had to stick with what she had chosen, mostly because we had taken the tags off the pirate costume and wouldn't be able to return it. We also knew that she'd probably come back to her first choice before nighttime. We thought we had gotten her back on track with the pirate theme, but right before we're supposed to go trick-or-treating, she screamed and yelled about it. I gave up out of frustration, and my husband offered to take her around in her pajamas to a couple of houses just to say we had gone out. When a kid is that young, they look cute in almost anything. So he put her in a pair of Christmas pajamas and slippers. I stayed home and passed out candy while they went out. The rest of the story was told to me when they got back. They first went to the next-door neighbor's house, a woman who is a kindergarten teacher. We could have put our daughter in a grocery bag, and this neighbor would have raved about it. She got handfuls of candies and hugs from that house. The next neighbor was an older woman whose kids had been grown and been away for years. My husband explained about the pajamas, and she gave a knowing smile and made a big deal about how cute our daughter looked. Finally, they went down to the last house on our short street. We had never met the young couple that lived there, and after ringing the bell, my daughter put her little hands on the glass next to the door while she waited. We learned that the couple were trying to have kids, and my daughter was exactly what they needed to lift their spirits, so much so that they left the handprints on the glass for months to remind them of what they were working towards. They now have two kids, and we get together often with them. It wasn't the Halloween we wanted, but it was the one we got, and we have a cute little story to tell about the year we trick-or-treated in pajamas because she refused to wear her pirate costume. Jennifer. Thanks, Jennifer. 
That was a very endearing Halloween tale. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Do you have a funny, scary, or heartwarming Halloween memory you'd like to share? Email it to thehappyhalloweenpod at gmail.com. You can either type it out or record it yourself. I would love to hear you on the show. Speaking of which, let's throw it back to our playlist master, Bob Baker, for this month's Halloween Minute. Thanks, Tony! Let's begin! Today we're going to roll back to my compilation of 2005 for a song that was actually inspired by a Halloween jack-o'-lantern. It is the Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead by the English band XTC. Lead singer Andy Partridge carved and placed a pumpkin on a fence post in his garden for Halloween. As he watched it every day, it fired up his creative juices. When it began to decay, he felt sorry for it. He wondered why it deserved to be executed. It did nothing wrong and was kind of perfect. This rotting gourd influenced him to write a song that tells the story of Peter Pumpkinhead. He comes to town and he takes care of the poor and the homeless. He encourages humanity, love, and giving and he gains widespread public approval, but he upsets the rich and powerful who resent his success. They do everything to stop him, and ultimately, they nail him to a block of wood on live TV. Now this may sound like stinging commentary, but it is actually full of energy and a catchy pop tune. It hit number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in 1992. So even with its strong message, the song is deceptively hopeful and proves that we need a little Peter Pumpkinhead in all of us. That was The Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead by XTC. Thanks again, Bob. On this month's Hallow Lore... We're going to find out why, before COVID came along, we bob for apples on Halloween. Steeped in both ancient traditions and modern festivities, Halloween is a time when people of all ages take part in playful but often eerie traditions. One of the more nostalgic is bobbing for apples. As with most Halloween traditions, bobbing for apples can be traced back to Samhain. The Celts believed at the end of the harvest season, 
the boundary between the world of the living and the dead was blurred and you could interact with both. So, as part of their celebrations, they would engage in divination rituals in order to see their futures. Apples represented knowledge to the Celts, so they became an integral part of the rituals. The most popular of these rituals were when young, unmarried individuals tried to bite into an apple floating in water along with several others, all of which had names carved into them, to find out who their future partner would be. Because this seemed to be a pretty innocent custom, the Christians didn't do away with it like they did most things of pagan and Celtic roots when they spread their religion across Europe. When Irish and Scottish immigrants settled into North America, they brought their traditions and customs with them. Bobbing for apples was one of these. It was easily adopted and spread across the countries, becoming a Halloween staple by the 19th century. Since the spread of COVID in 2020, people have had to become creative in coming up with hygienic alternatives to apple bobbing. For example, you can tie apples to a clothesline and see who can eat an apple the fastest without using their hands. Or, instead of bobbing with your mouth, use chopsticks or small spoons to try to remove the apples from the barrel. Personally, I think this will be the end of this ancient custom, but the end of one thing always leads to the beginning of something great. Before we move on to today's topic, I would like to share some exciting news for you. On Friday, October 20th, I will be doing a live show from Chestnuts and Pearls Art Gallery in New Albany, Indiana. So if you're in the area, come on out and join the fun. Aside from the live show, they will be hosting both my wife and I's art amongst all the local artists that adorn the walls of this fantastic little gallery. If you're not in the area, don't feel left out. I will be going live on Instagram, and if I can get enough followers between now and then, I will go live on TikTok. Also, the whole thing will be recorded and posted as a bonus episode. I cannot wait. If you are of a certain age, you remember the days when there was a fear of getting apples with razor blades or needles in them, or candy laced with poison for Halloween. But that was just an urban legend, right? Unfortunately not. In 1968, the New York Times reported 13 cases of children in New Jersey finding razor blades and apples. Fortunately, the majority of them were not injured. This is just one example of the truth behind Halloween urban legends. Today I want to tell you about the urban legends of tampered Halloween candy and the truth behind them. One of the most prevalent Halloween candy urban legends involves the fear of poison treats handed out by malevolent strangers. The myth has its roots in sporadic historical cases, but over time, stories have become exaggerated through word of mouth and media. This legend warns parents and children to be vigilant about accepting unwrapped or homemade treats from unfamiliar sources. Although there have been very few substantiated incidents of poisoned Halloween candy, there is still some truth to it. One of the most talked about Halloween tamperings is the razor blade in an apple tail. Despite being the epitome of an urban legend, there have actually been cases of razor blades being found in apples. 
Last October, that's 2022 if you're listening in the future, police in Eugene, Oregon had four reports of parents finding small razor blades in their children's candy. A few days later in Suffolk County, New York, a 13-year-old found a razor in her Mini Three Musketeers bar. The origin of this lore dates back to the early 1970s with apples and has moved on to candy in the last couple of decades. The difference between the legend and reality is that no children have died or faced serious illness in real life. Another highly publicized legend is that of strangers handing out poison candy. Unfortunately, this one has come true in a sense due to the case of the man who killed Halloween in 1974, which I discussed on a recent bonus episode. The difference to this case and all of the other ones is that this time the boy's father was responsible and the boy unfortunately passed away. All other reports of possible poison candy have not been substantiated and has caused no serious illness or death. There have been a few reports of candy being laced with drugs such as LSD and marijuana, but there's not much evidence to support these. Which brings us to our last urban legend of Halloween candy having pens and needles stuck in them. Though there have been a few isolated incidents of small needles and other sharp items being found, no serious harm has occurred. The question that begs to be asked is, why these legends began? There are a few reasons. First, in 1964, a cranky woman in Long Island, New York, handed out inedible objects to children that she deemed too old to trick-or-treat. In 1974, there was the aforementioned case of the man who killed Halloween. And in October 1982, several people passed away in Chicago after taking Tylenol that had been poisoned by an unidentified murderer. With these chilling tales, it's pretty easy to see how parents would fall victim to urban legends and myths surrounding their children's Halloween candy. Fortunately, the overwhelming majority of Halloween candy distributed is safe and the incidences of tampering are extremely rare. Alright, now some Halloween news. HalloweenCostumes.com announced on August 4th that the new inflatable Michael Myers decorations officially licensed from John Carpenter's original 1978 Halloween movie, are available now for pre-order, coming in at 8 feet, 15 feet, and a terrifying, towering 25 feet tall. These larger-than-life decorations are expected to be in stock by mid-September. Spirit Halloween has announced an officially licensed Trick-or-Treat Sam Funko Pop that will have a flocked texture to his orange jumpsuit. Spirit also announced a new 2023 life-size Martian Warrior animatronic inspired by Tim Burton's 1996 sci-fi throwback Mars Attacks. I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can see the demo on YouTube. And lastly, Party City slash Halloween City announced three new animatronics this year. Most notably is the life-size Leatherface from the original 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Was a one-eyed one on flying purple feet.
did the monster man. First up this month is a cover of the Alice Cooper classic, Feed My Frankenstein by the Goon Gang. Next up is DJ Cracker Jacks with Spooky Scary Skeletons. Next one is Halloween by Scarin Goldborn. Which of the woods don't put me under 
And lastly, we have Taint No Sin to Take Off Your Skin by George Olson and his music. Goblins, that's going to do it for this episode. Once again, I can't believe it's been a year since we've been doing this. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. It really means a lot to me. If you'd like to show some support, you can sign up to be a patron. You can shop merch on my Etsy shop. Or just head over to Instagram and TikTok and give me a follow. Links to everything will be in the show notes. And until next time... Happy Halloween. They think it's great to refrigerate while we cremate down here. Now just like those bamboo babies from the South Sea Tropic Zone. Ain't no sin to take off your skin and dance around your bones. Ain't no sin to take off your skin and dance around your bones. Ain't no sin to take off your skin and dance around your bones. Oh, ain't no sin to take off your skin and dance around your bones.